begin after six. There we go. Yeah. I think we did it. Well done. Look at us doing introductions like we know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, we should say we're drinking a fine wine by Josh Sellers. Ooh, yes. And it's actually, I don't mind this. No, it's actually good. Yeah. I just assumed a wine called Josh would be shit because it's like, oh, so some frat bro made a wine. Is Josh out of Paso Robles? It might be. Because I think... Uh... It might be. I don't have the bottle in front of me, but it could be. Fuck. And I think, and I felt like a dick after I was like, this is a stupid name, because the guy, the owner, I think, named it after his dad. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. I'm just being, I'm just <laughs> that's an asshole. actually nice. <laughs> uh, I think Wine for Normal People maybe went to his winery. Oh, I and believe it. Was, if I'm thinking of the correct one, she was like, it's now, like, a major label, but they yeah. started really small, yeah. and they're trying to stick to those kinds of Well, and I will, s- I will say the only wine from Josh that I haven't liked is their rosé. I think it's too sweet. I don't think I've had that rosé. You did in Tahoe. Oh, well... <laughs> There could, we also went to Tahoe in the interim. <laughs> oh, that's right. I oh my for, for my 30th birthday, we went to Tahoe, and it was fantastic. Oh, It was fantastic. Okay, one more thing about my trip to Europe. This okay. is very important. I met Joey Fatone in October. Right. That is the really the important part that and needs to be broadcast. I feel like the whole world needs to know how nice he is. He talked to us and for like 15 minutes. He had a well-groomed beard. Okay, and he looks amazing in person. Like, he's working the salt and pepper hair. His skin looks amazing. He did look like someone that you just want to, like, take advice from. No, he, and he was so fucking nice. And we talked to him before we had gotten, like, very, very drunk. Because uh-huh. we were like, we That's want, good. That's we, good. We, we yeah. need, like, a little bit of liquid courage. We so don't you had be, seen like, him and yes. been like, okay, let's prep for this conversation. Well, so actually, what's funny is Tyler is the one that saw him in the really? crowd. Because the way, so we were, the tent we I, were that's in. That's the thing, I don't know that I would have recognized him. I said it wasn't him. <laughs> I said, no, you guys are stupid. That's not Joey Fatone. Why the fuck would he be here? Right. Dressed in later hosen. Right. And then it definitely was. So I think that's well, fantastic. And historically, Did, I'm really bad at recognizing celebrities. Well, and so. I was in Backstreet Boys gal. Oh, see, I was... Not an insane. See, I was in sync, so. well, ride or die in sync, but I also like I guess this is boys. where we have to part ways. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Cassandra, get out. Uh, yeah, so I don't think... I, I, I think I would have been like, oh, look at that handsome Guy, older who, gentleman. <laughs> no, I was like, well, I mean, he looks like him, but that's not him. Right. And Tyler was like, no, that definitely is. And so we started that's Googling. Hilarious. Started Googling, of course. And then the, I think the Was best... he tweeting from October mm-hmm. Fest or no, 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 no. Uh, we just were looking at pictures. Mm. And, uh, and then the best the best part was Megan's mom went over and was talking. Because it, was her, it was actually her birthday. And he's, like, the sweetest. And he's talking to her stuff. And the waitress, um, like, I, I guess this must have been he was talking to me and Megan and our other friend Ashley. The waitress is German. And she came over and was talking to Megan's mom. And I was like, oh, like, is he famous? And she was like, yeah, he's in the Backstreet Boys. And so she's Googling pictures of Bachelor Boys and can't find him. Oh, my And so God. she goes up to him and, like, gives him her phone and is like, who, who are, are you? you? So Joey Fatone Googles himself and is like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. 
Yeah, I'm just, he was character dropping f bombs, which I appreciate. Another I time when I have to explain yeah. that I'm not in the Backstreet Boys. And he was, and he was like, "Here you go." And of course, when he googles himself, all these pictures from like the '90s and early 2000s show mm-hmm. up, and he looks a little different. He looks great just a now, ten. but you know, just a ten. it's like I don't look the same as. I did when sure. I was 16. No, definitely not. Um, and so he was just like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. But, but he was like very good natured about yeah. it. Like I cannot say enough times how nice he was. Well, and I think that his level of famous is probably still a fun level of yeah. famous. Well, and to be fair, the so we went to Oktoberfest on a Monday in not one of the most famous tents. So it was mostly like actual German people right. there. It wasn't like as many, I mean, there was a yeah. ton of tourists, of course, but it wasn't, like, as many tourists, yeah. so people weren't really, he wasn't really being bothered right. by anybody. In fact, we right. were the first ones, because we got there early, like, right when it started, um, we were, like, one of the first ones that recognized him. him. Then once we had gone up and, like, we're talking to him and took sure. pictures, then a then, couple other yeah. people went up, but for the most part, because he, oh, really? he was, like, right, he was very close to our table. Yeah. Uh, and he was just part, at was, a table. Yeah, with his friends. He was like, yeah, this was, like, super last minute, we didn't realize you needed to book this because uh, the people we went with were just the most amazing people in the world, and I love them. I want to actually be friends with them. I mean, it's a whole other story, but they're awesome. Uh, they booked the table back in, like, March. Oh, wow. And we're like, And we'll then Jack Catone called and was like, I need a table. Well, no, our friends booked it in March. I don't know when his friends booked it. I know, but if it yeah. was his was last like, minute. It's like, so, can we just, like, get be on your table? I'm still riding yeah. these NSYNC coattails. Hooray. Well, and what I didn't realize was that, I guess, NSYNC started in, like, Austria and Germany. Hmm. Because at the time, boy bands were way more popular. Sure, in Europe. in Europe. So they got, like, really popular in Europe and then came I didn't the realize States. that either. And I got a chance to tell him that I saw their Disney special and, like, was a super big fan of it. And in the picture, he has his arm around me. And so we, like, we got set up to take the picture. And then we were just talking and his arm was still around me. And I was like, I think I love you. <laughs> I think maybe I'm going to run away with you. And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, like, he was not even ever my favorite sync member. I always thought he was Certainly funny. Not. I don't know who my favorite is. JC, JC all the way. I was never JC into JC because one of my really good friends was into JC, and so I was like, mm, I can't also be into JC. This wouldn't work. JC. Uh, yeah, I don't know because I was. I mean, honestly, I was Lance Bass all the way, <laughs> and that didn't work out. So. Like, he seems like he would be such a fun person to hang. Oh, out with. he seems like he's awesome. Yeah. Like, I just want to hang out with you. Seems like an awesome person. I don't even want any free celeb perks. No, I just want to like I just hear actually some stories. Be your friend. Yeah, and like chill. So anyway, now we can get started. I just felt like the world needed to know how great Joey Fatone is. Of course. <laughs> Uh, so, the musical that we are doing today is Phantom of the Motherfucking Opera. Like, the whole reason this podcast even exists. The one that started it all, for sure. Is Phantom. 100%. So I think we should, yeah, I think we should talk a little bit about, like, our our Phantom stories. Like, how did you initially get started? with Phantom of the Opera? I saw it when I was still living uh, down south and was like, this is fucking bananas. Mm -hmm. And that chandelier came crashing down. And where I was sitting at the time, I was like right under the chandelier. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And um, it was just like the catchiest songs 
just ever. And then ever since seeing it that first time, I was like, any chance I get, like, whatever city I'm in, if Phantom's being performed, I'm going to go see it. I think it is a show that is great to see as a kid because yes. it is visually stunning. It is. And it's just, like, and there's grabs a lot you. Of, there's a lot of songs, like, good songs. There's not a ton of, like, super slow songs. Like, even the ballads are interesting. Yeah. And then when I was in high school, the movie came out. And I was 16, the same age as Emmy Rossum, apparently, playing Christine, <laughs> and was like, what is up Gerard Butler? Uh-huh. Hell fucking love. Uh-huh. This is, this is great. So, yeah, what, what, about, what about you? Oh, and then we've obviously, we've seen it together right. twice. Right, and that's how we started watching yeah. musicals together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I did not see this show until I was... 20 <laughs> no problemo uh 28 maybe what? because the first time i saw it live was right before like the october before we went and yeah. saw it together so my history with this show is that my canadian cousins came down one summer in like let's say 1997 and my grandma took my Canadian cousins, to this show. But not you? But not me. I don't know why. I think they thought I was too young. It may have been more than... It may have been earlier than 1997. Maybe 1994. So it would have been young, yes. It would have been very young, yeah. But I really wanted to go, and I was so (laughs) jealous that they got to go. And so after that, my mom told me, if you go to the dentist and you don't have any cavities, we will go to Phantom of the Opera. Wow. And then she forgot. Until I was 28, and then we went. <laughs> you had no cavities. No cavities. Nor, not then or since. I've been brushing my teeth religiously. <laughs> That's like my, my sister's going to love us. My mom potty trained my sister with M&M's. <laughs> and when that wasn't working, she was like, well, we my sister really wanted to go to Disneyland. And she's like, well, we can't go to Disneyland until you're potty trained. Oh, no. She was potty trained within like two days. <laughs> and then we went to Disneyland. I will pee in this potty. Uh... Yeah, so I reminded my mom of this oversight yeah. on her part mm-hmm. 20 years later, <laughs> which she was thrilled to hear about, <laughs> and she was like, fine, we'll get tickets, and so we got very good seats. Yeah, well, you waited 20 years for that, so. And, yeah, it was the the new version, the revised yeah. version. And I, I can't remember, I feel like I saw the very first time I saw the old version, maybe? I would assume so, if it was... Pre I would have two thousands. Oh, see, no, no, I don't think it. Would I'm have not been. exactly sure when the prize I, show came I out. I would have been in middle school, maybe. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, it could have been. It could have been the revised. It could have been the revised version. I really enjoy the revised version. Well, and then since then, so now I've seen it three times live. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I've made up for lost time. And I've seen the movie, like, I don't, I don't know, an infinite number well, of times? Well, sure. So I did see the movie when it came out, and I think maybe I said the same thing. Well, no, I don't think that that's true. Um, I fucking loved the movie. So I, I was obsessed with the soundtrack. Yep. I listened to it over and over again. I have very clear memories of being... Because it was... It, if 
you were 16, I would have been 17. So it would have been the summer before I went to college. Yeah. So I'm sure by that point, my parents were like, get this bitch out of our house. She listens to nothing but Pantomime Opera nonstop. My sister and I have this running joke about keeping your hand at the level of your eyes. And so, like, we lived together uh, when when she went to college. We lived in the same city. We moved somewhere where we didn't know anybody. And I don't know how this joke started, because she also loves Phantom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how this joke started, but we would just, like, randomly pop into each other's rooms and start singing that one line. And to this day, I could text her right now. In fact, I think I will. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's see what she says back. Because I remember I used to make mix CDs. Um, I used to make mix CDs, like, just in high school, uh-huh. because CDs were still a thing, and I would put Masquerade, that song Masquerade, <laughs> on, like, every other mix CD, because I was like, I sure, love this song, sure. it's amazing. And we weren't even theater kids, not really. I definitely, I mean, I had a brief well, moment were, as a theater were. kid in, yeah, in, uh, but by high school I had kind of trailed off, because... I was only getting chorus song or parts, and I wasn't into it anymore. And I think I would have liked to be a theater kid, not necessarily like acting, but I think I would have liked to be like doing the kind of behind the scenes stuff. But I was just writing and competing so much that that was my entire life. can be difficult to manage. Well, and it was just like that was that was all I was doing, and it was fine because I loved it. But it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Should we get into it? I think we should. Do we? Do you think we need to do a plot summary? Oh, I do think we need to do that. And I meant to ask you who was going to do it beforehand, but I'm fine either way. All right. So, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Christine Daae is is the main character. She's in the ballet of the Opera Populaire. And we find out pretty early on that she is being tutored by this angel of music who is coming to her and teaching her how to sing. Oh, and they're in Paris. They're in Paris, yes. And so when the main diva of the opera populaire is basically scared away from singing by the Phantom, Christine Day becomes the new diva and she sings amazing and she's doing great. All that's awesome. Uh, The new patron of the opera populaire is Raoul, who... Raoul. Who, <laughs> I've spelled his name Raoul. literally twelve different what? ways in here. What was he that the Comte de Vichy? He's, he's he's the Vicomte de Chantilly. Chan, Chan, yeah, Chanty, Uh He and Christine knew each other as kids, and so when he sees her at the opera, he's like, "Oh my God, Christine, I love you. You can sing. You're worth my attention." And so they reconnect and begin a little budding romance. This sets the phantom off. He becomes very jealous. He lures her to his lair. She uh, passes out when she sees a wax figure of herself, which is very disturbing. Oh, it's very creepy. She rips off his mask. And so he's like, fuck you. Go back to the show. Uh, Her and Raul reconnect some more. Uh, the Phantom is killing people and generally creating havoc. They come back. They go to the masquerade ball. The Phantom is like, fuck you guys. You're going to do my play. Christine is going to be the lead. And you're going to do what I say or I'm going to kill even more people. 
And they're like, well, fuck, I guess we got to do that. Instead of just being like, why don't we just cut our losses and get the fuck out of this theater? Yeah, like, everyone. I guess we just have to acquiesce to his yeah, crazy demands. We just have to go through with this crazy plan. Yeah. Christine doesn't want to do it. Raul tells her, no, you have to do it for some reason. Does he say that? Yeah, he tells her, you have to go through with this because the plan is to kill him right. at the show. Sure. And so she is the bait to sure. get him to the show. So they're going to set it up so that as many times, guards... as many times as I've seen this, I... <laughs> the plot details are a yeah. little funny. So, well, for some of it. I mean, the spectacular is like over, it's overwhelming with its its visuals and singing. So the plot... I get, to, I get distracted by Gerard Butler and contemplating the physics of the Phantom Mask and his hotness. And it's how, true. It's we'll, true. We'll get into this later, but basically when he rips off his mask, he should still be fucking fine as shit. It doesn't make any sense when he's, like, a golem. It's true. So, anyway, continue. Uh, so, Raul wants to set it up so that when they're doing the Phantom's Opera, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny, that they will have guards waiting and they'll be ready to shoot him and kill him during the production Don Juan Triumphant. So, they get ready for that show they're starting the show, and then the Phantom tricks everybody, and he's actually in the show instead of just being, like, in a box or whatever. And he kidnaps, I mean, like, box five. A theater box. A theater box, yes. A theater box. Not like a cardboard box like Dwight from The Office, just, like, just like waiting in a box. True. Uh, yeah, in a theater box. That's sure. a good, good clarification. Uh he inserts himself into the role of Don Juan and tricks everyone, and so he kidnaps Christine, or Christine goes willingly. Ooh, based yes. this, we will debate show this. versus yeah, movie. movie. What is what's Hotly going contested. on there? Hotly contested interpretations. Uh huh. Uh, so either way, he takes her. They go back down into his lair, which is underneath the theater. Uh, and Raul is like, I've got to save her. He tries to go down into the lair and save her. He gets some help he, from Madame Jerry. Yeah, Madame Jerry helps him get down there. she's the one that tells him to keep his hand at the level of his eyes. Yes. Lest he be, like, choked to death uh-huh. by a noose. Uh, and then the Phantom is able to, uh, restrain Raul because he wasn't really paying attention when he actually got down there. He did not keep his hand <laughs> at the level of his eye. You had one job, Raul. You had one Adam job. Adam Jerry gave you one instruction and he could not follow it. Yeah. And which the Phantom kind of jokes about once he yeah. puts him in a noose. <laughs> He's like, really, bro? That's, this is keep my signature your hand move. at the level of your eye. Yeah. They Hello. all said it. This is my signature move. Uh, and so Christine and Raul are all they're all singing, and they're all very sad and scared, and they're worried that they're all going to die. Christine and the Phantom have this moment where she's like, I'm not even, uh, I don't even pity you anymore. You just disgust me. That kind of makes the Phantom sad. She decides to show the Phantom love in the form of kissing him, and that kind of turns him to the side of Maybe I should just let them go and let them live their lives. And so he releases Raul. Christine and Raul run away, but not before Christine comes back and gives, uh, in the movie, she gives him Raul's ring, which, which is makes, confusing. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too. In the show, she gives him back the ring that he gave her, which makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, and then the Phantom is sad. Uh, Christine goes away. Um, and the Phantom then poofs. He disappears. 
So we don't know what the end of the Phantom is at the end of Phantom of the Opera. Yes, which that comes into play later. Yes, it does. Which we will discuss yes, what is... We need to we need to add a section to this called, Is That Canon? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, right. I mean, I if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Phantom of the Opera, I guess I, I guess why are you listening to this? I mean, if you haven't seen Phantom... Like, stick with us on this wild ride, because oh, it is going to be... Weird. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, for the movie and the stage production, the opening five minutes are fucking spectacular. Yes, they do a great, in general, staging in both the movie. So, yeah. I guess we should clarify, we're going to be talking about the live show... And the movie yes. version. The 2004 movie version. We will do our best to let you know what, what we're talking about but, at what time. But now I've opened my apricot sour, so all bets are off. Yeah, which these are delicious. These, these are really, crushes. Really yeah, good. They're, uh, um, and then I also, I did listen to the book, and the book yes. adds some real fun components. Okay. So we're also going to be ringing in because the book. Because there are, I have a couple of issues that we'll talk about where I'm just like, yeah. what the fuck? Okay, yeah. let's, let's just talk about it. The first, I just want to finish my thought about the opening yeah, five minutes. Um, so the very beginning of the show and the movie actually is set in, I think, like 1910, is it? Oh, the, the early... The early, the, very... Be- like, yeah, where yeah, Rob's the, old the and... Yeah, the flash forward. Forward, or, or I guess present yeah. time. Yeah. So it starts... It starts in... Uh, I wrote Because down then we go back 1870. to 1870. Yeah, apparently I didn't write down when the fuck but 19, it starts. Or 1905. I think it might be 1905. Sure. Whatever. Early 19s. In which case, Raul looks rough. Well, that's why <laughs> I question... I the, question sometimes. Yeah. Although, I don't know, that's what, 35 years? That he would be in his 60s, maybe? I mean... In the movie version. How quickly in this do you want to get to the age issue? Finish your like, thought. And then immediately. Yeah, okay. okay. This, is, this is a huge sticking yeah. point. I feel like we should also clarify, we love this production and movie, but we understand it is deeply problematic. Yes, and we are going to address, to the best of our deeply, ability... Deeply problematic. And it's one of those things where I don't, I don't know... Logic should tell me I should be disgusted by this whole story, and yet I can't stop watching this know, movie or going to the show. Anyway, so that you start off, like, in when Raoul is old as shit, and Christine is, like, you assume at this point dead, probably. And then um, oh, they're, they're auctioning off all of these things from the Opera Populaire because it's right. fallen into disrepair and is basically going to be foreclosed on. And, and Raoul and I, I can't... I don't, I always thought it was Madame Giry that was it there because they're, they're contemporaries. They are like around the same age in the movie, and I think even in the stage production, they're presented as contemporaries because she's not like an old woman. We'll get into the okay. others. So uh, it starts off. So you see the opera populaire just like completely derelict, and things are falling apart, and you see Very this cobwebby. Bro- yes, and you see this broken chandelier just like there, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And then... Well, and then in the new stage show, they have it suspended, like, directly above yes. those front three yes. rows. And yes. it's in, like, the lot number. Yeah. It's got, like, burlap over it. Right. It's, which like, is, it's like, made to look, like, Which is a great effect it for really, an audience it, to it walk really into. It really is. Because, basically, if you're in the orchestra level, like, kind of in the center, like, I would say it's usually, like, towards the front or middle of the orchestra Yeah, I would say section. first, like, four to yeah. 
seven rows. If, if you look directly up, you see the chandelier. It's great. And it's right. It's right there. Yeah. And they get real snotty about you taking pictures of it. Yes, though. they do. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes, they do. Okay, I think we did that. <laughs> they were like, mm. <laughs> No, thank you. And uh, breaking all the rules. And so you, like, this scene happens. It doesn't really matter, or, like, really what happens in this old-timey auction scene. But Raoul's there. Jiri's there. They knowingly look at each other. And then... The Phantom of the Opera music, like the overture, starts. Yep, knew it. Beautiful. That's exactly it. Perfect. Maybe oddly low, but Mer- oh, that was too high. And then in the movie, see, this is why I actually really think the movie's a great adaptation. In the movie things start to change and the opera populaire like starts comes to alive. yeah it comes alive it goes back in time and you start to see it as it was in its heyday and in the stage production they do a great job with that too because like the burlap flies off the chandelier and the chandelier right. like lights up yes and it's a big fucking moment yeah but it's like that like the dramatic change in the opera yeah. house coming back to combined with this music yes. is like what the fuck and the music is Stirring. Stirring is Moving. a great word for it. Yeah. Yes. Andrew Lloyd Webber does some weird shit, but he knows his way around some music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He can write a compelling score. There is mm-hmm. no doubt. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's jump into these ages. Because this, like, really bugs me. So, in the book and the stage show, Raul and Christine are the same age. What? Yeah. Okay, Good. Or they are a year apart. She is okay. 20 and he is 21. Okay. Or they are both 20. Okay. His age is a little bit in flux, but, uh, yeah, but they so, are the same age. But so in the movie... They age her down in the movie for inexplicable reasons. Well, so, or, or are they expecting us to believe that they're contemporaries? Because let me tell so. you... When I looked... We looked this up and Emmy Rossum is actually 16 16 years old and based on when her dad dies and how old Mm -hmm. she's supposed to be when her dad dies i believe she is actually 16 in the movie Uh, whoa yes i think they actually aged her down in the movie i mean but why but why and here's the thing we also looked this up patrick wilson i don't have my um note notebook where we actually did the math but Patrick Wilson and Gerard Butler were in, in their the 30s. Early 30s, yes. So that means, and here's here's the issue I have. Like, Emmy Rossum's amazing, and she's an amazing singer, and she's gorgeous. She's great. But you can't tell me they couldn't have found an actress who was, like, in her 20s at least. Yeah. To play this part. Yeah. And, and that means Patrick Wilson and Gerard Butler both had to be like, you know what? I'm a 30-year-old cool. man. Yeah. And I'm okay macking on the 16-year-old uh, girl. Because even though the uh, stories make-believe, they both make out with her. Yes. And I'm 30 right now. I, If I was an actress, I don't think I could make out with a 16-year-old boy no. and be okay with it. I'd be like, that's this is even weird. Even 20 would be weird, but you'd be like, all right, well, well it's 20, legal. 20, 20, <laughs> 20 at least is like more of an adult. 16 exactly. is very much a child. Yeah. And... Like, did she have her driver's license? Right. Questionable. She still had to have an onset tutor. Uh huh. She still had to be in school. Child labor laws still right. applied. So, I, uh, yeah. It's not... a very confusing choice because in both the show and the book, they are the same age and they are both twenty. Right. Or twenty-one. And it's just like, 
Ed. Why? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she was born in. Okay. So Emmy Rossum is thirty-two, and this came out in two thousand four. So maybe she was eighteen. No, she's actually sixteen. She's actually sixteen. Sure. Well, because I was sixteen when but I saw it. Was but filmed. she filmed right. Oh earlier. my god! Yes, right. Of course, it would not have been filmed the same year it came out. Right. Yeah. So again, that brings me back to two adult actors. Were like, this is fine. This is fun. I don't. And I, that creeps me out. Also, her parents. Right. Signing off on this because they definitely would have had to. But maybe the only thing I would I could maybe say about that is maybe they didn't real they didn't sure. think there was gonna be. That much, and then once she's already signed on to it, and she's all the way into right. filming, they're like, "We can't really back out now." How would be and it, what? What I would like to hear actually is Emmy Rossum's take on this. I would be curious to hear that as well. Would I give a shit about Gerard Butler or Patrick Wilson's opinion? No, I would not. Uh, I would just like to hear from Emmy Rossum, unless it's just like a flat. I'm I sorry, should not that have was done fucked that. up. <laughs> yes, yes. If it was like you know what, upon reflection, that was a horrible idea. And then they stopped if talking. If I could do it over, I would do it not at all. Right. Yes. <laughs> it, this wouldn't happen. Um, because the, and what's, and here's the thing, right? So I saw this movie when I was 16. I saw Gerard Butler and was like, fuck yes, I would have definitely tried to bone him. Super down. But he's the adult. It is his job to be like, this isn't appropriate. You're a kid. Right. This is not appropriate. I am twice your age. Like this, let's not, let's not do this. Right. Because some teens, not all teens, some teens are super horny and would be like, I don't see an issue with this. Right. And that's when it's your job as an adult to be like, exactly. no, boundaries. Let's boundaries. slow this down. Yeah. I'm actually just your music teacher. And we brought this up and I forget, it's been so long since we've talked about our other podcast. It was, I forget which one it was in, but it was basically like, why can't they either get older actresses or younger actors? Right. Especially why? when... The characters are supposed, are to, be supposed to be the same age. Honestly, that makes me feel so much better because I was like, this is weird. Well, and that's a, a novel that's written, I think, in like 1911 or something. And he was like... Not exactly progressive. They can both be 20. It's fine. This is fine. Well, and it just makes more sense because if she's older and more of an adult, it's like, I feel like then her actions... Are a little more her own. Yes. And that's not to say that 16-year-olds can't make their own decisions. It's just when you're a teenager, you are not... Like, like who I was at 16, which is who I am now, is so different. Yeah. And it's like you're not fully... It's, I don't know how to explain Developed. It. Yeah. You it, are not making decisions right. in the same way that you do yes. as an adult. You're Agreed. just not. Agreed. And so it just feels like no matter what, you're taking advantage of a teenager. The only thing that I think maybe is more realistic, having her age down, is her, like, willingness to go along with the angel of music being like, I'm the angel of your, or your your dead father has sent me to you, see, follow my voice. But see, I disagree with that because I think the trauma she experienced as a child and losing her dad, no matter what age she was, even if she was 20, I think that still would have worked. Well, and 20 is not exactly ancient. No. I'm just saying she four years older. may it's... have been more malleable as a 16-year-old versus 20. I mean, yes, but that doesn't I, I that doesn't justify aging it her down. It certainly does not. It is it makes insane it creepy. that they did that. It's already a creepy story, and that makes it creepier. Really? And 
especially watching the movie again, like really with the thought in mind that she is sixteen. And Gerard Butler, it makes it hard. Gerard Butler and Patrick Wilson are good-looking guys, but they're clearly very much adults. Oh yeah, they're not like teen boys. They're like they are adults. Yes. Gerard Butler has magnificent chest hair. Oh yeah. So it's like that that juxtaposition is gross to me. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's And they put her in this so uh when she's like when they're singing the song and she's going down to his lair, which is like okay, fucking most absurd thing ever. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it. But it's the most absurd thing ever because he puts her on a horse for a hundred foot journey down this ramp, and it's like, why the horse? Okay, so that horse is in the book. Yes, okay, and explain this to his me. His name is Caesar. Why not? He's supposed to be a white horse. I don't okay. know why they chose to make him black. Well, because black horses are more mysterious. I guess, yeah. And the phantom is the phantom of the night. So he right? has stolen this horse from the opera because they keep horses. Yeah, yes. He's stolen it from the opera. So he didn't have to bring it far. He's just bringing it underground. But still. Uh, and then also the way they describe the underneath of this. It's like longer. Maybe? It's much longer. Okay. And there's like a huge... Like, the lake that they traverse yeah. is, like, a pond yes. tops. Yes, In this, it's, like, an actual lake, and he's bringing her to, like, a separate house. Like, what? you don't really... Don't... Visually, I had trouble understanding what's happening in the book with oh, this house. It, oh, is it, like, um, like, the way that when Harry Potter goes to get the Horcrux from the cave, the lock of uh-huh. Dumbledore, and it's, like, this giant cavern. Right, that you can't like that? see across. Yes, yes. yes, you can't see across the edge of this. Like, you can't see what's on the other side. It's huge, and so, but you can go around. Like, you don't have to go across the lake. Okay. Also, there's, like, sirens in the lake. They what? don't really go into that. The book what? is nuts. <laughs> okay, I need to fucking read this the book. book. It's really short. Uh, yeah, the book is crazy, but... It makes slightly more sense. And also, you don't, you're not seeing that in real time. You're being told all right. of this after sure. the fact. So, well, and, and I get that, but my question is in the movie, why have the horse at all? I think it's supposed to be just like a, hey, we read the book homage that they just throw in. They're like, here, this is a hundred foot journey. Let, uh-huh. me, let me include this horse that I have to lift you up on. But my original point was... They have her dressed in this like, like flowing nightgown corset thing with a giant slit up the side of her thigh, and then uh-huh. she's wearing like a garter. Uh-huh. I, I was like, well, I don't think this is same. Necessary. She's definitely not sleeping in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a phantom only outfit. Yeah, pretty pretty much. And uh, oh my god, oh my god. So the other thing, uh, let's see. I I do think we should try and go somewhat. Uh, chronologically, yes, but I have agree. notes on live show. Also, I don't know if you remember, but I was actually taking notes during the actual Broadway show. I do remember because you were way you were way better at that. Because I, full disclosure, just got very. <laughs> but I was doing it in the dark, so some of my notes are legitimately on top of other notes, and I have no idea what they say. Uh, and so, so, one of my notes. Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get to that note later. But some of them don't make any sense. Um, most of the notes I actually took during the show are useless, but there are there are a couple good well, ones. Well, and, and I have to say, like, just the show versus movie debate. I think the movie is a great adaptation. It goes toe to toe with the stage production in terms of insanity and ridiculousness. Yes, 
it is, I believe my exact quote was, it doesn't shy away from the ridiculous. No. Which is true. Which is what you want. If you're going to do the phantoms, it needs to be over the top. Yeah. You have to go opulent and insane, basically. And the costumes were amazing. The costumes in the movie are so good. They're so good. And you can just do so much more. I actually, I mean, I hate to say it, but I really, I like the costumes more in the movie. I do too. Well, you can see them. You can see them. And like, I don't remember the, like, the like circus tent bodice that they wear in the live show it just doesn't it's like that red and green yes, and gold yeah. bodice i'm not and then that's fan. what she does uh think of me yeah. in too and i, I don't, that white dress that she wears in the movie so is much so better. much better and it makes sense to me that it's she's performing at the gala not the actual musical itself right and she sings that and, and i prefer her version the version yeah Amir Austin's version of think in of me i i prefer it so uh so just a couple so in the book there's a, another character called he's only referred to as the persian oh okay it's not, not great, great yeah. but madame jerry basically takes over his role but they don't give her as much information uh, oh. in the show and in... So, do you want the backstory of the Phantom from the book? Yeah, I do. Do you want his name? Yes, <laughs> yes. His name is Eric. No, it's not. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? It's Eric. <laughs> Seriously? His... <laughs> His nickname. Oh God! Is the trapdoor lover? Oh, ew. <laughs> why? No. Because okay. Stop. Why? What? <laughs> oh God! This is so disturbing. Eric, the trapdoor lover. I feel like it's like an '80s song, like oh, trapdoor lover. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. His name is. It's not even like Jacques. No, it's Eric. It's not even with Eric. a K. With a K. But is I mean, he... it's French. No, I don't think that is. <laughs> I mean, it would be, like, Eric. But I think I'm pretty sure that, like, Eric in French would be with a C, wouldn't Uh, it? Like, Mark? I think everything spells it with a K that I saw. I I Um, think with a K, wouldn't that be, like, German? I don't know. I I truly don't know. I'll just... Wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still processing this. Okay, so in... in... Do do they they say why his nickname is a trapdoor lover? Yes. Okay. Fuck me. Okay. So his backstory is that he like his mother could not handle his face basically, and so sure. she was like, "Make your own way in the world." And sure. so he got into like theater groups and circus groups in uh, Turkey and the Middle East and oh, Northern okay. Africa, and so he became like a a not just a magician. But like a carpenter, and he was building magic props, okay. and so that's why he's the trapdoor lover because he is building trapdoors. Wait, because he loves to build trapdoors. I mean, I think also they don't really go into that honestly. Well, so no, I'm I'm confused now. Is trapdoor lover like a sexual like a sexual lover or like he's a lover of trapdoors? They honestly don't go into whether or not he's a. He, oh, I mean, I think actually it might be like he's a sexual predator through trapdoors. <gasps> oh, that was worse. <laughs> I so, think so, that so, so, so a trapdoor sex pest. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is harrowing. Uh, it's the only okay. Way I can think of to so, describe this. And the Persian, the character of the yeah. Persian, is like that's how he knows him. Is he was also in this like 
circuit of building sure. magic shows and stage shows, and that's how he yeah. and he had problems with the Phantom sure. with Eric. Sure. And so that's why the Persian comes to Paris is he's like, I'm gonna help you guys figure your Phantom situation out. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. See, that, I feel like that would have been an interesting addition to yeah. have that character be like, oh no, I know this bitch right. from back and in the he's day. Super knowledgeable. And, and that's so that's, I'll help you trap your trap door. Okay. So one of the people that the Phantom works for is this like empress in I forget exactly where she's from. Maybe Turkey? I don't remember. But she gets off on torturing people. Oh, and so, what? Yeah. Yeah. The book is crazy. <laughs> I thought the play or the musical on the movie was buh fucking nanas. This yeah. takes it to an entirely new level. So, and she, I think, maybe, like, got the Phantom as, like, a young person. Okay. And so she kind of developed his... Okay. Uh, unsavory qualities. Yeah. Um, so she proclivities? had she picadillos had a torture room. Ew. Uh, where and so yeah, he built that torture room for her and like helped her maintain it and helped her torture people in it. The fuck. Uh huh. And uh, then oh fudge, what oh so when he leaves. Oh, well, maybe I'll save that part. No, I okay. must know. So he, in the opera, he built yeah. his own torture room, <gasps> built off a, modeled after, after the one that he built for this other, like, Whole, empress. Holy <laughs> fucking shirt balls. Yeah. What? And so, is, is that meant to be, like, his lair? Is like, a torture so he, room? So he doesn't have a lair in the book. He, he has a has house. A- no, he has a whole house, oh, and it, but it's all underneath the God Opera Populaire, damn. but he's built, like, he's built a torture room in this house. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, oh, so that's how the Persian, this character, the Persian, yeah. knows, he's the one who tells everyone about the less, the lasso. Lasso? Uh-huh. How are we going to say that? I mean, lasso? I, say, I say lasso or Las- noose. Lasso. Uh, let's go with lasso. <laughs> lasso. <laughs> lasso. Well, because it's like the Punjab lasso, something like that. I, ooh, I have no idea. I believe it is. In a, I mean, it's definitely just a noose. In the movie... Well, because it's bouquet makes up like a scary little rhyme, and in order to make it rhyme, he has to say lasso. Right. But I don't... I don't know about that. Uh, well, in the Punjab lasso is an actual thing. I don't know. But I think it's more like a whip. I think they kind of take liberties with the whole news thing. Well, now I'm going to fucking Google it. <laughs> and I... Oh, God. I don't know what I'm going to find. Okay. So she... Feels racist. I, I, so I believe that's how the whole lasso thing gets started, is that's her weapon of choice when she's torturing people. Holy fucking damned. It's a whip? The Punjab lasso is a type of weapon referred to in Gaston Leroux's novel, The Phantom of the Opera. It's described as a noose, but employed like a garrot to strangle victims. Oh, okay. So it is a noose, but you, you use it, like a he says, like a garrot. Instead of, like, hanging people, you just strangle Come them. Come from behind them yeah. and strangle them. Which is hand above your eyes. Makes right. sense. Okay. Yeah. So it was her, like, favorite thing. But I don't know if this is... 
Okay, I don't think it's a real thing, though, because it it's just says the, the, the name is derived from the Punjab region of India and present-day Pakistan, where the title character learned to use it. Okay. I don't know if that if this is, like, a widely accepted term. practice. Because it just says, because according to Wikipedia, the <laughs> most accurate of sources, of course. the sections are in the novel, in the musical, in the movies. So I feel like this is okay. not an actual... So it's something that he created for right. this. All right. Yeah. So it's her. So maybe she's in. I'm sorry. Under in the novel section, the first fucking sentence in Gaston Leroux's novel, The Phantom, parentheses named Eric. <laughs> With a K? With a K. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh huh. And okay, so he learns all of these like sadistic okay. tendencies and then brings was, them to Paris. It was made from cat gut. Oh. Well, in, when he was using it in India. Or now back. I don't remember if they go into that level of detail, but uh, actually that kind of sounds familiar. The only way to escape it is to keep one's hand raised to eye level, thus preventing the loop from closing. This is attributed to Eric's skill at strangling. Uh-huh. Oh, oh God. Well, and so the, the character, the Persian, is the one who's giving us all of this information. Yeah. So he's really functioning or madame giri is functioning largely as his role and then mm-hmm. raul also because in the book raul is 20 and useless like he really? cries a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you get so part of the <laughs> part of the book is just looking you're just reading the persian's letters and he's just like bitching about how useless Raul has been, like, in trying to discover things, and, like, (laughs) so, okay, so the end, when they get, instead of them going to the lair, they go to this house, and they get, they accidentally, the Persian is like, okay, we can't go across the lake, there's sirens, we can't do it, it's bad news. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. So they, like, sneak around and find this other way in. Uh Uh-huh. But that other way in leads into the torture room. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> so how many people die then? Uh, okay, so there's a lot of things in the book that actually make the motivations of the characters make a lot more sense. Really? We'll get into those okay. later. But let's stick to the torture room for just right now. So they fall into this torture room. I just want to bring this up to explain how whiny Raul is. <laughs> like the, and so the torture room... He so the Phantom is just like I'm so I'm gonna make Christine decide whether or not to marry me and if sure. she decides that she's not gonna marry me, uh, we all die. Okay. Uh, and seems reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> all of us. Not even just you two. But I'm gonna torture you before then. So he gives her like 24 hours to decide. What? Meanwhile, he's just making the room that they're in super hot, and Raul is just bitching the whole time about how hot it is. <laughs> And the person is like, shut the fuck up. Like, we need to figure some shit out. And I can identify with that because I get hot so easily that I'd be like, you guys, this is really like, warm. The person is like, he's like, the, the air, it's got to be like, I've got to find something. He's like feeling around for a bit. And the, the Raul is just like, oh, it's so hot. Yeah, that'd be me. I'd be useless Raul. Just like, oh, you guys, it's really warm in here. And also, Madame Jerry is way sassier in the book. It's pretty great. And I do love me some Madame Jerry. She's, although, she's complicit in a lot of nonsense. Well, that's the other thing. In the book, 
she, well, her motivations are different. So the, in, so in the show, her motivations are just that she kind of grew up with the Phantom. She saved well, she, him. Yeah, she rescued him and I think feels bad for him. And then, you know, for Christine, I, I don't think that Madame Jiri knew. She knew that Vicomte de Chani. And so she's probably like, no. this is your best chance to right. like, have a successful, like a to career. have a good life where you're not going to die impoverished as an old ass ballet yeah. dancer. So like her motivation. None of her lives like, are good. So. No, definitely not. Uh, so it's kind of like, eh, ooh. It's right. questionable, but yeah. So in the book, it's not really better, but the the Phantom has promised her for her silence, basically, uh, mm-hmm. because she does discover what's happening and that yeah. he's living in this house underneath yeah. the opera. He has been like. He shows her all these examples of people who have become famous, and he's like, I did this. Like, this empress, I made her. This princess, I made her. And but so. royalty. Come on, Madame Giri. Well, it through marriages. Like, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and sure. so he's like, Meg will be an empress within the year. Whoa. Yeah. So that, okay, that does, it, like you said, it's not great motivation, like in terms of morality, but it, it just makes it, sense that it explains at the time, I mean, at the time. What were Meg's options really realistically right. going to be? And in the book, Madame Jiri has much less information about who he is. Sure. She doesn't have his whole backstory. Because sure. in the in the show and the movie, she rescues him basically from a freak show and um, helps raise him in yes. the opera house. Yeah, I mean and she gives she's, him and, shelter. And their ages are they're very close in age. She looks like she might be thirteen or fourteen. And he looks like he might be, like, 10 when she rescues him. And then, yeah, so they're both kids, and they grow up together. Right. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. The book version is very interesting. It is interesting. I think I think we really need to talk about the idea of magic and where it is and isn't present, and if it's explicit. Because it sounds like there's magic in the book. There, well, because you never, so magic is talked about in the book, but you don't get to see it necessarily because i feel like the stage show does not to me the stage show the magic is not obvious no i think the and i think think in the movie you explicitly are shown magic and i think in the book the magic is still story like right the the Persian hears about the sirens, but you never see them. Oh, the Phantom is telling him like, "Don't cross the lake because there are because sirens." Because there are sirens. So he could just be lying. He could just be lying. So you don't see so, a lot of it. Okay. You don't actually see any of the magic. It's just told to you. Okay, so that's okay. So the book and the stage production. I think. I think you can argue the stage production. I think you can argue both sides. I don't think it's clear either way. I think in the movie they explicitly show you magic. The hands with the candelabras. Yeah. That's magic. His whole fucking lair. Yeah. His disappearing, like, him disappearing or whatever. I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I just think that there's explicitly, it's like, there is magic here. And I think that could kind of explain people's fear more and, like, why people just kind of went along with his shit. Because they could have been terrified that he was a legitimate magician. But and I, could think, have, like... I think in both the 
the stage show and the movie, well, I think in the stage show, they're also legitimately terrified. Like, they don't know it's not magic. No, they, they are, they are legitimately ter- No, they are legitimately terrified, but I don't think it's made clear that they're afraid of magic. I think they're afraid of this phantom, but they know that he's a real guy because he has appeared to them in physical form. I and he's killed that, people. I don't know that they know that he's not magic, though. So you think that they might think yes, he's magical? Yes, I think he has, I think he's spent enough time building up this aura this presence in the theater that and he has other people like spreading his legend sure that i don't think like blackbeard yeah even when they physically see him well in in the movie they kind of downplay that masquerade costume that's like in the show that costume is crazy like he has the hat he has a full skull mask sure um, also, I didn't mean Blackbeard or Long John Silver. I was definitely thinking of the Dread Pirate Roberts. In, uh, <laughs> wait, Dread Pirate Robert or Roberts? And I think it's Bride? Roberts. Roberts. Oh, I, I think it's Robert. I love that movie. I think it's a singular Robert. Because I couldn't tell if that's his last name or first name. Whatever. That movie's great. I want to watch that again. Anyway, <laughs> looking at my notes, I have a note that says "Backstage Bone City." <laughs> <laughs> Is that when the people are making out or something? Yeah, in the backstage of the uh-huh. of the show or whatever. So, what bothers me is in the movie we see Gerard Butler with his little phantom mask, and it covers like a third of his face, maybe. But you clearly see his lips, and you clearly see some skin above the hairline, and his hair, and it's, like, all pretty normal looking. So uh-huh. you have to think, if you would take off that mask, like, it really, he's still probably going to be, like, fairly good looking. Like, 72% good right. looking. yes. And... 72% fucking hot. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And when... Christine is in his lair the first time, and she pulls off his mask. You actually see his face, and it just looks a little red and hairless. Yeah, and you're like, you oh, okay. Barely. Right, tell the difference. It's like, yeah. okay, fine, Especially whatever. in that dark layer lighting. Right, and then when she's in the lair the second time, when Raoul is chained to the dungeon gate and is about to be drowned, because the phantom is going to put the dungeon gate, like, release it and have it go back in the water... She pulls off his mask or whatever, or he does, and he, all of a sudden, his whole face, almost his whole face is completely disfigured, and then his hair is a totally different color. And, and his lips like, are totally... Yes, yes, like, yeah. one part of his lips are totally fucked up, and it's like, no, earlier in the movie, we could see all of you, and once you took your mask off, you were not that crazy looking. Mm-hmm. So that really bugged me, because, like, if you, if you want to have that aesthetic, commit to it for the entire time. If you want to just have, like, a hotter phantom, I'm okay with that. I'm he's, okay I mean, with it. I'm he's, on board for right. it. He's emotionally traumatized. Like, is, his actions will still make sense. Horrible person. Right. We'll get it. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, especially because in the show where it's a less detailed medium, yeah. like, yeah. you don't have to put as much work because in. Because not, not everyone is going to be able to see the work you put No. In. And they put in so much work yeah. into making him, like, even before he takes the mask off, you can still see, like, beneath the mask, some of his face is kind of messed right. up, and it's, like, right. coming around the back side yeah. of his face. And in the um, the live version that is available on Amazon, uh, the Albert Hall version, his lips... I don't know how he sings through those lips because those are prosthetic lips. What? Those are not his real lips. 
So that's, it's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, at least commit to it. Like, yeah. it's it. Either you know you can make him really like scary looking or whatever, or you can make him not that scary looking. I don't think that's really that important because no. the motivations behind what he does are yes, they're inspired kind of by his looks, but they're really inspired like by how he feels about himself. Yes. So it doesn't really matter what he looks like. Yeah. I think anyway. One so like we're going off of that he's been rejected by society, but he's also sure. then isolated himself right, and made himself extremely violent towards society. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so like there, the initial reaction doesn't really matter that much. It's yeah. his reaction to that initial reaction. Yeah, it's, well, it's his reaction, like, to society. Exactly. And he's already made up his mind. Right. That everyone hates him and that he's a monster. He's already decided that. Right. So whether or not he's extremely disfigured or a little disfigured, it's, it doesn't really right. matter. So it is confusing in the movie that they're like, you know what? We're going to make him slightly disfigured. And then, and then I, th- I feel like they just do it for shock value. Oh, Puddles, yeah. no! <laughs> you just drink out of your water. <laughs> Buddy. You only got a couple laps. I'm still going to drink it. Well, let's he's, be a, he's, a, he's a clean dog. Okay. Yeah, he's a clean dog. <laughs> no, he is. He is. That was I saw, I saw it happening in slow motion. It was like, no. I've definitely <laughs> woken up to a cat drinking out of the water I have by my bedside table, and, and you're like, I'm been like, roll with it. You're right, kitty. I am thirsty. But, oh, you have water right here. What are you doing? That was really. It's not people water. It's not good. <laughs> I like he's, that one. He's definitely done that to Tyler, and I've seen it, and Tyler hasn't, and I just won't say anything. Just keep on moving. I think it's funny. He's fine. Yeah, so I think I think that's actually one place where the movie really falls Agreed. short. Agreed. Especially because you either you have the opportunity, like you're a major motion yeah. picture, do the fucking makeup. I don't care if Gerard is complaining about sitting in that chair <laughs> all goddamn day. <laughs> Make it, he's not famous yet. Make him sit. That's true, because this is pre-300. Yeah. Because that's the thing. So I was thinking about this, and I'm pretty sure, at least from my perspective, as someone who was 16 watching this movie, I didn't know who Gerard Butler was. I didn't know who Emmy Rossum was. No. I didn't know who Patrick Wilson was. No. I knew who Minnie Driver was. Yes. And I definitely she, knew who Minnie Driver is, was. She is, like, the fucking best part Yeah, let's of take movie. a moment for Minnie Driver and talk about Minnie Driver. Oh, my God. I, I love, I love her as Carlotta. She does a great job. I fucking love her. and She's, she's hilarious. And it's all these small things. Like when they're singing the prima donna song and they're trying to give her gifts and she's just like, like Not pushing away. She's like, oh, Into gross. it, yeah. Yeah, she's, oh, she's so Well, good. and she brings a really different, so I'm basing a lot of my memories of the live show mm-hmm. off of the Robert she Hall. Com- I mean, she brings comedy into it. She brings comedy to what it. And she also brings, so in the... Royal Albert Hall version, because that's the version I didn't see while drinking, so it's the version I remember best. <laughs> <laughs> Carlotta is much more scared of the Phantom. Yes. She's not like, like, Carlotta in the movie is, is just, is, yeah, she's fucking pissed she's that he's irritated. messing with yeah. her she does job. not she does not seem scared at all she's no. like i'm a diva this is annoying me. this is unacceptable yeah. i will not work until it's made right mm-hmm. and in the show she's much more 
terrified. Well, and in the movie, she I think she says, like, for three years. Mm-hmm. So she's been putting up with this for three years. So she's, yeah. like, not, yeah, at this point, she's, like, I'm not scared. I'm just, like, very irritated. Which is also, a, yes, and so I, I like the energy that Minnie Driver brings yeah. to the movie version. Yeah. But it also brings up another interesting diversion in the stage show versus the book. In the book, we are told that the Angel of Music has only been coming to Christine for three months. Whoa. Uh-huh. That's like no time at all. And in the no movie, time in the movie at all. it's like a year. Yeah. Yeah. And the Phantom has been torturing this opera for over three years. Yes, for multiple so, years. So, yeah. Yeah. But also in the book in general, Christine is much less into it. Like, really? yeah, she from the get like once she figures out that he's a dude and not actually an angel sent yeah. by her dad, she's like, I don't know what to do. This guy is I mean, he also legitimately kidnaps her much earlier. Yeah. And like takes her away to uh-huh. a different town. Oh, that's and not great. When she talks to Raul later, she's like, I don't know what to do. I can do nothing. This guy keeps fucking kidnapping me and threatening to kill everyone I know. So So, I'm just pretending to like him. Yeah. But let's figure something else out. Any plan Bs? Well, and when you compare that to the movie where it legitimately seems like she cares for him. Yeah. Even when she finds out that he's like... An evil person. Yeah. A person at all. Right. She's definitely... There are just there are just moments where you're like not sure, but then like I said, there are moments where you're like, well, oh wait, does she have feelings mm-hmm. for the Phantom? Which I could kind of get. I mean, she's basically in an abusive relationship right. with him, and so I could see her like doing a little bit of Stockholm syndrome for sure. type type thing, where it's like, oh, because again, he's also been um with like been mentoring her. That's a not an accurate term for what he's doing, but for no, lack he's of grooming a her. Grooming. Yes, he's grooming her. <laughs> So he's been grooming her for like a year. And again, right. this is someone who is like fairly recently experienced a ton of trauma. So And who her father legitimately yes. told her, I will send you an angel of when music. I'm dead. Which is like after okay. I die. Was that a great idea, Gustav? No, not great parenting. Was that great not parenting, Gustav? Great I don't parenting. think it was. And so I kind of like in the movie, I, I kind of get like I get why she was be more confused and be like, well, maybe I really am into the Phantom. Because she's being groomed by essentially right. what is a sexual predator. Well, and in the yeah. book, he's trying to do that. It's just not working. Because she's, she's older. Well, she, a, she's older. She's older, and she's spent playing, less time with him. She spent less time with yeah. him, and she recognizes it right yeah. away, and is yeah. like, "I'm gonna play into this because I understand that that's what he wants." See, see and in the movie, she very much like she sounds fucking crazy when she's talking to Meg and Raoul right. about this fan, this angel of music. Right. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's the angel of music. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't not go to him. Like, you don't get it. And she's like, she's almost like a zealot. Oh, and that's the other thing. And she's very sincere. I'm going to apologize now for bringing up the book so much, but. No, this is fascinating because I haven't read it. In the book, they also give Christine and Raoul more, they give you a second with them as young kids. Oh, that's um, interesting. So you see them, they like summer together at the mm-hmm. same place. And as teenagers, they feel this romantic connection between yeah. the two of them. And you get Raul's internal monologue. He's like, I know that I can't 
marry her because she's not like I'm a vicomte, yeah, and she's just a citizen, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he like is like, and he says something to her like I'll never forget you or something yeah. like that. Like I I wish that we could be more. But yeah. we can't because I have these responsibilities. And then, so when he sees her, it's this whole thing of, like, oh, now she's got, like, a little bit of fame. Maybe now sure. I can. But then he's still getting pressure from his family to be, like, she's not good enough. And he's, like, I don't give a shit. Well, and in the stage, I, and stage production in a movie, you get no information get about his family. You get none of that. You, you get, get none of nothing, that. nothing. So that doesn't even come into play, really. Yeah. And, um, oh, shoot. Well, I, had, and I had a point. Okay. And I totally forgot it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep talking while you're thinking. Uh, so there's also a whole portion of the book where his brother is basically just bone in the whole theater. What? Yeah. His older brother is the count, mm-hmm. an actual count. And the whole reason that Raul is even going to the opera is because his brother is going to bang all of the divas and dancers of the theater. Well, and so and, that's and that, how. And that's true. In the other productions, you don't ever get a reason for why he's, he's all of a sudden the patron of the right, opera popular. Right, he's that's just there. Why he's there, and yeah. then he sees Christine, and that's why oh. everyone assumes that then they're boning yeah. because that's what his brother is doing, and that's what these guys are coming to the shows for. I remember what I was going to say. Um, in the production and the movie, I it really creeps me out, especially in the movie when uh, Raoul meets Christine in her dressing room for like the first time they reconnect as adults, and they have that weird like whisper conversation about little Lottie. Uh-huh. And in the movie, it's so cringy to me because it's like they're strangely whispering to each other, and yeah. it's like, and it's like little Lottie, da, 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 da. and it's like, oh stop, what? No, just and I don't, person. I don't, I don't, don't like think this. it's much better in the live show. It's not. Think, no, it's not. I it's think not. it's very similar. It's just like why all the whispering? Yeah, why I I think that's a great question. And his his initial reengagement with her is not comfortable no it's a little especially in the movie because he's so much older it makes it it makes it seem like they're not friends it makes it seem like he knew her when she was extremely young well and and she tells meg we were childhood sweethearts and it's like no you were a child he was like a fucking adult right he he was 15 years older than you minimum 20 something four yeah yes yeah yeah not great and you were 12 yeah so Um, I'm just looking at my notes, and I feel like we have to talk about the costuming, but before we do that, I will say one of the other reasons why that horse is so annoying to me is there is no horse poop anywhere, and anyone who has ever had a horse or been around a horse knows in about 30 seconds that little walk would be covered in horse shit, so there you go. I guess we're just counting on the rat army yet again. Oh, do you remember when we were watching this movie last night, how we were talking about the Phantom being a bizarro Cinderella with his rat art? So our theory, our theory is in the movie, there are like tens of thousands of candles. And in the, and in the show. Oh, yeah, and in the show. Well, I, I don't know about so much in the show. Definitely in the movie. There it's t- not as aggressive, yeah. but there are still quite there a few candles. There are tens of thousands of candles that are lit. Yes. That like just physically that would be impossible. Yeah. 
unless there's not enough hours in the day. There's not unless we're going to buy into the fact that the Phantom is actually magic. Maybe he likes them magically, but really, what we think is he has an army of rats to do mm-hmm. his bidding, and so. He's like a bizarre Cinderella because the army of rats lights all of his candles. Maybe helps him get dressed and in his 10,000 yeah, layers. 100% makes his Masks. tuxedos. Like, yes. he's not going out and ordering tuxedos. And like all, yeah, and he has, and what I noticed last night when we watched this movie that I hadn't ever noticed is he has, like, other masks just, like, tied to faces Which of statues. Great. Hilarious. That was one of Sarah's best, uh, like, yeah. I haven't seen this before noticing. Yeah. So it was like, oh, there's a bunch of other masks tied to those. Well, I think I noticed it before her and was like, wait, I have never Yeah, it's never this. something it, I picked up the on. Many times I've seen this movie, I never noticed that he just had like other masks tied to like statues' faces. Yeah. So he has like maybe like a party mask and just a daytime mask and just like a casual lounging around the lair Sorry. I mean, you want like. It's like a bra. Like, you don't yeah. want to always be wearing the, the one that's, bra. like, yeah. hoisting everything up. Sure. You need, like, a sports bra, uh-huh. a comfy lounging bra. So it was like, okay. And then I think the other... It was actually really nice having someone there who had never seen this before. So they could point out, like, fucking how crazy things were. Uh-huh. When, um, in the movie... And I think this happens in the show. When Carlotta is doing her breath spray, like, it, yeah. like during the musical... And she, the mm-hmm. phantom switches it, and she sprays something, and, like, it makes her, like, not be able to sing. Sarah was like, well, why what is she, like, is what is spray? that? Like, why is she, why is she spraying that in her mouth? And I hadn't, we did not have a good answer to that. Unless it's cocaine. Yes. We did say, <laughs> we were like, oh, it's probably lavender water, or cocaine. Or, or cocaine. like, liquid cocaine. Right. Which, I mean, is not unrealistic. No, it's not. Because then maybe it could have made her, like, sing more longer. Yeah, totally. Or, like, uh, they put, like, straight adrenaline on soccer players. Like, the spray that they put on soccer players during the games. Have you seen that? No. Like, if a soccer player gets hurt, Mm -hmm. actually hurt or fake hurt, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure what the difference is necessarily. But the medics or whoever, the Mm -hmm. trainers will come out and just, like, they have, like, an aerosol can, and they're just spraying shit onto yeah. parts of their body. And it's just, like, an adrenaline mixture. Does that work like that? I guess can you, so. Can you I absorb think, adrenaline through your skin? I guess so. I mean, I'm sure anyone who actually knows anything about this would You're a scientist. Me. You're a scientist. But I believe that's what's happening. And I do think, I mean, it's like putting, like caffeine packs on your eyeballs right like yeah but you're not like absorbing if you're not getting energy from the caffeine packs on your eyeballs. no but those cells are impacted by the caffeine well maybe i i mean i, I would want to see some science i mean much like this. we don't know if the injuries are actually real we don't know yeah. if the cures <laughs> actually work <laughs> Like, I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you. Oh, my God. That's really funny. Uh, so it could be something like that. Or pure cocaine. Um, I, okay, I'm just, I'm just looking at my notes. And we already talked about the age difference. But one of my notes is kissing a 16-year-old with tongue. How do you yeah. feel about that, Patrick yeah. Wilson? He uh, was... When they're on the roof and it's snowing and they're yeah. doing the, wherever you go, I go to all I ask of uh-huh. you. 
And it's just like Tongue City. And it's like, is uh, that necessary? Uh, that's the scene. If you look up the IMDb trivia, that's the scene where she had to ice her lips in between takes because they were sucking so much face that her lips were getting swollen. Sucking face. I haven't heard that. I know. It's like a term for making out in a long time. We're sucking face, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, I, uh, um, I really... And then my note under that is just masquerade with a thousand exclamation points. So that's amazing. And then under that, so when they go to the cemetery, when Uh uh, Christine is having like a crisis of just all the shit that's been happening to her. She's worried. Yeah. And she's she's like, I'm having a rough time. She's like, I'm going to go see my father's grave. And just like hops in a carriage and goes to my father's grave. Yeah, it's poorly. It's that's just a, like this I guy's think not gonna know. The Phantom's Mask and that line in the movie like, are poorly done. Glaring omissions. Someone was just like phoning it in. To quote Padma Lakshmi from Top Chef, those were glaring omissions. And uh, she's ruthless. She's, she's ruthless. really. I know. I love his it. I love it. I love Padma. Cutthroat on that show. Oh yeah. And I'm like, like you're. I don't. I think you're a chef but i mean she has you've got some opinions. She has she has cooking yeah, yeah, yeah experience and opinions um and so when she gets to the cemetery and she's walking down like that avenue with all those creepy uh-huh. ass statues oh it's so good Yes. And then the mo- like her father's mausoleum, or I don't think it's his mausoleum, it's just like the mausoleum. No, that's it, there. it has his name. It has Daye on see, it. That, what doesn't make sense is he basically died a penniless violinist. So how did, that's he, true. How did he get into that's one true. of Unless one of his patrons was like, yo, I will pay for your marble mausoleum, but not to house and clothe your daughter. I think that that, that is happened. likely. I yeah. think that that is definitely the way that could have played out. <laughs> because it's like glowing, which calls it's like a callback to magic because then the phantom is there hiding and when he comes out it just stops glowing and it's like not like candlelight or firelight it's right. like very much a magical Artificial glow yes light. yes but i just that scene where she's in that her costumes are so beautiful her costumes in the movie are gorgeous. she's in that beautiful dress and she has like that black like gauzy headscarf on and she's walking down the avenue and like singing which is one of my favorite songs Yes. The um It is amazing. Wishing Why the past just died. Wishing you were somehow near again. Yeah. Wishing you were somehow close near. to me. Wishing you were here, I think it's called. Uh-huh. I yeah. I, I know I can sing the entire song. Um and she and she's walking down that avenue and that's when she says, like, Why can't the past just die? die. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my god, this is so amazing. And then that's post masquerade or pre masquerade? Post. Post. Okay. Post, because Raoul jumps on the horse and like so in, gallops after her. In that scene, I really that's one well, of the things. Po- no, it's post because this is something that I didn't notice until we watched it last okay. night. She's sleeping in the dormitory at the Aquavilla, oh, okay. and Raoul is outside the dorm, like protecting. Her. Yeah, like basically keeping watch. Right. And he falls asleep, and she walks past him, and right. he like wakes up. And, like, goes to look for her, and she's out, not there. She's right. gone. And she's in a dorm with, like, 20 other girls. Right. But Ralph sees her bed is empty, and so then he, like, runs down and figures out that she's... The stable guy tells him, like, oh, yeah, she went to, to the cemetery. Ugh. And he just jumps on a horse bareback, as one does. As no one jacket. does. He definitely, like, bounces when he jumps on it, too. Yeah. I felt sorry for his nuts. For, for that, oh, I felt sorry for the horse's back. <laughs> well. So, going back to... 
the masquerade when they're talking oh, so about that the masquerade so it's in both the live show and the movie it's fantastic it's staged beautifully it's mm-hmm. a great song yeah it's a great song it's the it's a great way to come back from an intermission like oh, let's yes. just do this and i've said this 10,000 times but i love a fucking like ensemble number yeah and it's well done. I want to really see, well see everybody dance. And it's like, it's kind of an aggressive song. It like, is. they're really throwing Absol- it oh, at absolutely. you. But it really, especially after, like, you don't want something, you don't want to come back from intermission. Like, you're kind of getting sleepy. It's late right. in the night. You've, you've experienced a lot at this point. Yeah. You need something to fucking smack you yeah. across the face and be like, and no, you it. are back in this show. It really mm-hmm. does. Um, when they talk about the secret engagement, this is something else that makes a lot more sense in the book. Okay. So the so Raoul's backstory, which you don't get at all. You get no, I mean nothing, absolutely nothing. He is in the navy. Okay. And so he is the plan is that in like a month he's going to go to Antarctica. Oh. He's going to be gone. He's oh. supposed to leave. And so the phantom has made he the phantom has told Christine uh you don't have to marry me, but you're not allowed to marry anyone else. Oh. And so, or I will blow up this whole building. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Because that's the thing. Is he's, I mean, that's his whole jam is that he has wired the whole opera what? with explosives so okay. he can kill everyone she knows okay. at any time. That's, that's what he's holding over her. That's terrifying. Yeah. And so she tells Raul, he wants to propose, and she's like, oh, that's perfect. He's going to be gone in, like, a month. Why don't we just have, like, a fun little secret secret engagement, engagement, and then he's going to leave, and so I won't be breaking my promise to the Phantom. Yeah, he won't know about it. But I can still, like, live, because her whole thing is, like, I'm going to have to either die or marry the Phantom. Yes. So... Both are unappealing I'm screwed, so I'm just going to have this, like, month with Raul where we get to pretend that we're engaged. And bone, I'm assuming. I don't think that was part of her plan, but maybe. Well, I don't know. it should have been, because why not? Um, and He's a so vicomte. That's her motivation for being like this is going to be a secret engagement we can't tell anyone See, that's but way, we're that's just like playing engagement yeah. because you're going to leave and I'm going to either die or live a life of oh misery so this is just like my one last hurrah of getting to live this like fantasy See, engagement that makes way more sense because in the stage production and they the, don't explain it the, at all they don't and the phantom knows that Raoul's there like he knows because he may, kind of makes fun of him like you said right he knows about it like it like, it's just one of those things where it's like, why, why keep it secret? Just leave. Right. Like, because at this point, we don't, in the movie, in the stage production, you're never told that the Phantom has rigged the entire opera popular to blow up. Which, that, like, makes way more sense. Great motivation yeah. for not leaving. Right. If he's going to kill everyone, everyone you know. Then it's like, okay, I'll stay and I'll stay figure and it out. Yeah, deal. Because um, what I couldn't figure out, especially in the movie, was like, Girl, you're gonna marry a vicomte. Right. Just leave her motivation. Like, go person. out, go well, out to get a dress one day and right. never come back. That confuses her motivation even yes. more because it really 
uh, emphasizes that she may actually have feelings for the yes, Phantom. Because I don't think you can... It, no other interpretation makes sense. Why would she no. stay unless Why she's she stay? struggling with the feelings she has for the mm-hmm. Phantom and Raoul, and so she's kind of putting off making a decision. Exactly. By, okay, the, our engagement's going to be secret, and I'm not going to leave the Opera Populaire... And, like, eventually at some point I'll have to figure something out. Right. It is, in the book it sounds like, like you said from the beginning, she really, like, knows what the Phantom is about and is not fucking down for that shit. Right. But also is left optionless yeah. apart from killing everyone like, she knows. So you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of book Jenny and movie Jenny yes. from Harry Potter. Where book Jenny is a fucking badass, badass. motherfucker. And is like and sassy as shit yes. and making decisions yep. and like in charge of her sexuality. Yes, and movie Ginny is simpering. Backdrop. Yeah, <laughs> I would say simpering. I think is a good at it, best. It, it's just not. She's not a compelling character. Yeah, it's. I think that's one well, of the great. Tra- and I, don't get me wrong. I fucking I love Harry Potter. I love oh, the yeah. books. I love the movies. Well, and book Ginny is the biggest, phenomenal. But that's the biggest tragedy I think yeah. of the movies of the movie adaptation is they there just are many really tragedies did, of the movie. But, but they just really that is did Ginny one of the toughest. They did her a disservice. They really did. And they also do Hermione many disservices. But... Agree, agreed. But I also think the book does Hermione if you just... That's true. She does, they... It is just crazy to me that in a novel that was written in the early 1900s, this female character has more agency than she does right? in the stage production well, written in the 80s. And I, feel, and I feel like Andrea Lloyd Webber just was like... We're going to go balls to the wall. Okay, We're so going to make this fucking cuckoo bananas. One of my uh, notes that was legible from <laughs> the stage show was, is the Phantom Andrew Lloyd Webber? Yes. I think he must be, right? I, yes. Because he like, gets, um, like, obsessed like, with these muses. Like the way that Xander was Joss Whedon. Yeah, we yeah. Talk, we talked about that Just in an earlier podcast. obsessed about obsessing over yeah. beautiful women that you can't actually have right. or uh, maybe you don't actually consume want. or like whatever you're trying yeah. to do to them mm-hmm. can actually happen and then you get mad and want to kill people <laughs> um i also had a note okay so i'm getting towards the end of my notes when we were significantly more inebriated last night watching the phantom of the All opera right let's do it and my note so like it goes from hate Don Juan triumphant, boo, to I want to bone the Don Juan phantom. <laughs> <laughs> he had a real flip in that. Well, no, I hated the song. The Don Juan triumphant song. That's my least favorite song. I I agree with you that that is my least favorite song. And my song. favorite song is all the other songs. Yeah, it would be tough to choose. I think maybe my favorite. I love Think of Me, and I love... Um, you you love the graveyard song. I love the graveyard song. I can't think of the name of it because now I'm like three beers. Deep, yeah, but... it makes it harder. I uh, all I ask of you, I think, is gotta <gasps> I be. I love that song too. See, that's what I'm saying. All the yeah, other songs are my favorite songs. They're all and they're all so they're all great. Even just as standalone oh, songs. Oh, one hundred percent. Prima Donna is a yes, great song. It's so great. Phantom of the Opera, yeah, obviously. Great song. They do add like a little song with um, Madame Giri and Bouquet where she's like, 
those who yeah oh yeah secrets should hold their but it's not like a real song no, it's like she just like she just, like, just, just sondimes him mm-hmm. she just like sings at him but rhymes and oh my other I had another note in here Madame Jerry's hair is fucking insane that long ass braid I love that braid that could be amazing. her Punjab lasso yes it could on IMDb this is um complete non sequitur on IMDb it says they're talking about the differences in the movie and the stage show uh-huh. it says for example the musical the story occurs in 1881 while the movie p- takes place in 1870 in the movie the ages are all shifted to be much younger than in the book or on stage on okay. stage and in the novel Christine and Raul are in their 20s Phantom in his late 40s or 50s yeah I forgot to mention oh, that he, the Phantom is supposed to be very old and I also find that it is super weird that Joel Schumacher directed this. It's very strange. Like, it's very strange. He directed Phone Booth. That's the only Joel Schumacher movie There's I can recall. Else. No, he directed a ton of movies, but Phone Booth, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a Joel Schumacher joint. Oh, and he did Batman. Shoot. He did Batman and Robin. Oh, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Those Batmans are bad. They're so bad. But I enjoy them. I don't think I, I think I watched them once and then just never. I think it was one of those things that like I oh, had. Oh, he did the Lost Boys. I didn't know that. I love that movie. Oh, I think maybe the Lost Boys is why he was Andrew Lloyd Webber likes the music used in the Lost Boys, and that's why Joel Schumacher is on the Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Well, the music in the Lost Boys is fantastic. Um, you get a scene where you have like this incredibly muscled up oily man with like a very long curly hair playing a saxophone and you're just like okay. And maybe one that we have to do as part of our mostly and yes. not musical. Oh my god. That we should do like a Halloween episode. That would be good. It'll be recorded in November but that's fine. And whatever. Halloween-ish uh, themed. I love that movie. Um, So I really enjoy and I'm, I've noticed it before but something one in one of the songs is if it's lovely sung in, in a foreign tongue, mm-hmm. then it'll make a good yes. opera. Yep. But it's all in English. This yes. whole opera yes. is in English. <laughs> uh, which is just a fun little side note. That's during the prima donna song. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. God, that's such a good song. It's so good. So then oh, also we hit it in the summary, but we mm-hmm. haven't come back to it yet. The difference between the show and the movie on the Don Juan Triumphant that oh yes, Christine okay. has clearly very different motivations during that song. Yes, so in the show, the the show is set up so that uh, the regular mm, actor. dude actor yeah. is gonna be Don Juan, and he's gonna trick. He's still he's gonna trick the character that Christine is playing, who I don't know the name of. I'm not yeah, sure what I'm not character sure name is, but. He's, it's set up so that he's going to trick her, so he's going to wear this big cloak so that she can't see who he is. And in the show, it's very clear that you don't know who it is. Exactly. He's completely covered he's head completely to toe. He's covered. I still wish I could remember what the fucking name of the cloak from The Princess Bride is. It's The fire? Like the it's fire like an proof? apocalypse cloak or a uh, uh, resurrection cloak. Uh... Fire and brimstone cloak. Either way, he's gonna wear this huge cloak that covers. His What's a Holocaust cloak? Holocaust cloak. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. 
apparently it is another name for a cloak of flames. Oh. oh it's so a heavy it's garment and one. is meant to ignite either due to the rage of the wearer or as punishment oh. or on command from the wearer as protection against attackers. Edit, it has nothing to do with the Jewish Holocaust in World War II. So I was a little confused about... So it's a holocaust. It, it is it is a holocaust cloak, but it, his doesn't burst into flames. No. It's just a large cloak that covers his face entirely. Yeah. You yes. cannot see, and it's very large and billowy, so you can't really even oh. see his form. That is that is true. But so Don Juan is going to wear this cloak, and so in the stage production, the Phantom takes he kills the actor that is playing Don Juan, and takes the place of him in the show, and. Christine realizes halfway through the number that they're doing together that it's the Phantom. At first, she's just going along with it, and it's totally fine. She's just she's, well, she's acting. She's just yeah, acting. She's, she's just like, acting. oh, this is my fellow actor. And it's a very sexual song, yeah. so they're, like, grinding, grinding up against yeah. each other and stuff. But then she realizes partway through, and then she's terrified, and the Phantom has to physically drag her away to kidnap her. But in the movie, then... She, he's not in the Holocaust no. cloak no. at all. He's, and the physical difference between the actor playing Don Juan and the Phantom. It's a short, heavy man versus a stacked, Butler. Yeah, a stacked Adonis, basically. <laughs> and she realizes immediately yes. that it's Within the seconds. Phantom. Within seconds. And she is down. She is down to Pound Town. She seems very into it. She, she seems very it's into it. It's still very sexual, but she is fully aware of what's happening. Yes. And is ready for it and goes willingly with him. Yes. Instead of her being kidnapped, which really changes the dynamic. It does, because then it's like, okay. And, and again, because you don't have that backstory of the Phantom having rigged the entire offer to blow up it's right. like okay so now she's just willingly going with him so it's like okay so was she what does she really want right was she having doubts about Raul? like does she not really know what she wants to do right. his lair is pretty fucking sweet uh-huh. and he has a big old organ in there oh that sounded like an actual musical organ I mean, that sounded incredibly gross and perhaps no organs. Oh, <laughs> god <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, just the one, but... Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that plural. Okay, I will, I will say this conversation's a lot tamer than the one we had last night about wax figures <laughs> and threesomes with wax figures. I mean, that wax figure has seen some shit. Yeah, felt some shit. Good point. <laughs> that wax figure is blind. <laughs> That's not what I was referring to. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She, it really, but I also. It it, it changes the whole dynamic. And, and, and while that's happening, while, like, her and the Phantom are having a moment where they're almost boning on stage, you get a shot of Ral crying Mm -hmm. in the box. Like, he's fully aware of what's going on. He sees what's happening and recognizes it. So that yes. makes you think at some point maybe they've had a conversation about so her I, conflicted feelings. I do. He, and he's not even bewildered. Well, he's not I, even like, what's ha- who's this? What's happening? He's like, I, I'm crying tears because this phantom is going right. to steal away my lady. Despite what I just said about not being able to take the love never dies as you can't take it from 
the movie version. I do think that the movie version sets up the possibility of Love Never Dies being plausible Agreed. much more. Because there okay. is a much more... Because uh, you believe that maybe they did bone in that layer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that she had a relationship with him yeah. in a like that she wanted to be a part of. Yes. Not that she was... I mean, she was coerced into it regardless, but she was going back to it. She yeah. wanted to be in it at least she, in part. She didn't want to leave the entire time. No, she wasn't always terrified of him. And at the very end, when she kisses him to get her and Ralph free... He lets them go, and then she comes back and kisses him again. Yes. And, and she so, does that in the show, too, which is also weird. Which is like, in the show, it makes less sense to me. In the movie, it makes sense because, like I said, like she kisses him, they leave, and then she's like, maybe one more for the road because we had a thing. Right. In the show, it makes a little less sense. In the yes. movie, it's like, okay. It does make sense because she's letting go of this potential love that she had right. for him. Yes, because it wasn't... Because she enjoyed his hands on her body. Oh, yes, she did. If you yes, look at her did. face alone in the movie, if you watch her face alone. She is in the orgasming lair, at least twice. In the lair and then during Don Juan, it's like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel like we shouldn't be watching this. Because it's almost child porn. Huh. <laughs> that is, like, not cool. There was definitely a couple times where I was like, Gerard, your hand is up a little too high. Yeah. That is, that is her Are boob. you down to the waist? But that's too far. Yeah. That's too far. That is that is her boob. Let's not do that. Yeah. Because you're an old man and she's a child. I don't think I... I think I was going to try and say this at some point, but then I didn't. So if we're going to believe the book at all, that love never dies cannot happen. Well, yeah. Love never dies cannot happen. Okay. Why? Because... Or why? Uh, the Phantom tells Christine that he's going to die and that she has to come back and to his house. Uh, so it basically happens like the show happens. Yeah, like sure. She says goodbye to him and then goes off with uh-huh. Raul, but the Phantom's last wish for her is that she will come back and he is going to, I believe, kill himself. Okay. And that he would like for her, instead of her coming back and kissing him, like in the show, she comes back and buries his dead body and leaves the ring with his dead body. Interesting. I, if I were her, I'd be like, so that's a hard path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she does do, do it. And she does do it. And part of, so the book is very, it's not a great book. It's not a particularly well-written book. Sure. But it does do the thing where it, like, talks to the reader in uh-huh. a way, like, uh, reader, you're not going to believe Eyre. this. Like yes. Jane Eyre, yeah. They did, um, it's like the dear reader trope yes. or whatever. Exactly. Where you break you break that fourth wall uh-huh. or whatever. It's like, dear reader, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to yeah. believe this, but mm-hmm. here's why it's true. And yeah. one of those segments is them, like, a newspaper article or something where they've, mm-hmm. like, found the body and the only... Yeah identifying thing is this ring that's with the body sure. and so we're meant to assume that it's the I mean maybe it would give her closure to bury his dead body to know for a fact he, that was, he dead. was dead and couldn't haunt her anymore yeah that could I mean that could bring you a certain amount of closure I'd yeah. imagine yeah but it does negate love never dies a hundred percent yes well but love never dies also was not based on a book that's true I'm assuming that is an there is Andrew actually Lloyd Webber original. There's a sequel to 
the Phantom that I believe Love Never Dies is based on. I believe so. By I the never same read author? the book. No, it's like fanfic. No. It's fanfic, which Love Never Dies is fanfic. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> is fanfic. Uh, Love Never Dies is. We will do a whole separate podcast yeah, on it, and yeah. it is fucking insane, and it's just amazing and the best. And the Phantom man, that guy loves him some mirrors. He loves mirrors. That was actually a really cool thing they did. Well, it's actually funny. He kind of hates mirrors, but he loves a mirrored doorway. Yes, he does. Uh, something that was really cool that they did in the Royal Albert Hall version was um, when she does, when she sings Think of Me, yeah. at the very end she turns around and the whole backdrop of the stage is mirrored. Whoa. So they get the reflection of the audience. That's and so cool. it's like she's singing to, to this them. other oh, audience. That's it's really cool. cool. It was really well done. I'm gonna have to they watch got this. creative with yeah. how they did things. And the orchestra in that version is on a tier it's on stage oh, on a tier above. Oh that's cool. It's above okay. them. And so mm-hmm. when the Phantom is like hiding he's hiding in he's the orchestra. always hiding with the orchestra that's which cool. is really neat that's kind of cool they did a, i mean for the limited space they have they did some really cool things the leds don't always work like all the candles sure. and stuff are leds yeah. and it doesn't always work but for the most part it's it's pretty cool so for this segment or this podcast i mean we don't really have a what would phantom do segment because we know like we don't exactly we don't what he would do and that, he and did it he did it and, you know, that's okay. Uh, he would maybe throw more masquerade parties because I feel like he really <laughs> loves a masquerade. <laughs> uh, you know what I think he would do? More masquerade parties? I think he would write more operas. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be like, listen, puppets, I've mm-hmm. written another one. This is going to be great. Everyone just do my bidding and act in my fucking terrible uh-huh. operas. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> so another thing, another thing from the book uh, while Raul and the Persian are in the torture chamber, sure. and Christine is just like having to debate whether or not she's gonna sure marry the Phantom, they say Christine had been trying to kill herself by banging her head against a wall. <laughs> That's awful. But, Wait, that's terrible. Because at one point, like, the Persian, because Raul is just being fucking useless in the yeah. corner, the Persian is like, oh, why are you all, like, bloody and stuff? And she's like, oh, I've been trying to kill myself. <laughs> and I don't know why it struck me as so funny, but just, like, the least efficient way of trying to kill yourself. Well, yes, no, that's actually horrible. That's not... That is not an efficient way no. to, to kill yourself at all. And then also probably the nonchalance of, what's up with your bloody forehead? I was trying to bang my head against a wall. Really, I've been really putting some work in now. But like also, couldn't you just trick the phantom into killing you? I feel like you could. You could just like bait him. Well, she wanted enough. to kill herself without him because it was either marry him or he was gonna blow everyone, everyone up. up so, so if she, she was, was just dead. dead but then what if he still blew everyone up i mean i guess she wouldn't be there to see it and i think she was hoping like that she was just removing the object mm. of all of his that's a dangerous game to play because out of rage you could just still blow everyone up i think she was going through some shit like uh, clearly she knew that raul was in this like and it was chamber. hot yeah. and it was hot she wasn't hot she was oh. in a different room she was just <laughs> <laughs> She was fine. <laughs> she was just... Oh, 
she was so she was in a room adjacent to the torture room and it's where she new, could like look there was a little window where she could look in you couldn't like hang yourself with a like with part of your dress maybe well no so for a while she was strapped to a chair okay and then she convinced the phantom like oh this hurts too much let me go and so he does that. Oh my god! But where, but where is the fan? Is he just like not there? He's like, he's I'll let business. you deliberate. He's got, yeah, he's got errands to take care of. He's got sirens to talk to. Yeah, who knows? More what he's wax up to. to buy he's gone for his for a seals. While. Because all of this whole section, you're getting it from the <laughs> point. This is so fucking insane. <laughs> the perspective. This is so fucking insane. <laughs> You thought the stage show was crazy. I did. I was like, I'm embracing the ridiculousness. One of the things I love about it is how bananas oh, yeah. it is. Uh, one of the so this whole torture scene is only told from the perspective of the Persian. Oh, so God. you're only getting oh, God because he it's like a letter that he wrote to someone giving this whole account. Yeah, and so you're just getting him like bitching about Raul. And <laughs> also, once she's in there with them, couldn't she be like? Like you, one of you needs to kill me. So we she's not. She's live? in a different room. No, but no. But once they see her and she's all bloody, was that like at the end? No. So he, they have a little window where they <gasps> oh, can see oh each my other. God. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this? There's also a metal. Okay, so there's a metal tree in the torture chamber, and <laughs> Phantom has put a noose in the metal tree so that they can. And he's also given them one gun, so one of them. Raul and the Persian could either hang, either hang themselves, themselves or, shoot, or shoot, themselves. shoot themselves. God, what the fuck is this <laughs> saw nonsense is this fucking book? It's crazy. And that, they're in there legitimately for 24 hours. It takes a long time. That part <laughs> takes a while. It's a relatively short book, but we are in that torture chamber for a while because we have to learn the history shit. of the torture chamber. And then we have to, like, talk a bit about just, like, what it looks like. <laughs> There's a metal tree in it. <laughs> like, why? That's where the noose is. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um. Oh, also in the book, the Phantom has no nose at all. Ew! Like <laughs> Voldemort! Yeah. Except there's a hole. It's oh, not even like a little ew. snake nose. Ew! Yeah. And, well, and in the stage show, that's one of the things that they talk about. That's in one of the songs... That's like uh one Joseph Bouquet is yeah. he's like oh he doesn't have a nose that's one of the little <laughs> songs he sings. How did I miss that? Because you weren't looking for it because you didn't know he wasn't supposed to have a nose. I was not looking for it. I, I was it. Oh, because you know why? Every time I've every time I've seen this show, the actor playing the Phantom has been a good looking dude, and mm-hmm. I've been seduced by that. Okay, so I think the last thing we want to mention briefly is. How great the staging is of the live show. Yes. The round, like, cylinder dealy yeah, uh, that, like, really opens well. up. It really does. I think the coolest part about that is when uh, the Phantom is taking Christine down to his lair, I think for the first time, and the actors are walking down the outside of this big cylinder and stairs are just appearing in front of them out of the side of the building. Yeah. And it's really very fun it's to watch. Really it's well mesmerizing. And then they do it again with Raoul and Madame Giri. Yes. She takes them yep. down those. And then they disappear as it turns. And yep. then they get on the boat. And oh, it yeah. looks great. 
and then they turn it more and they open it up like a dollhouse yeah. and then it's the offices. It's very cool. It's really an ingenious way yeah. of creating these different scenes. It's really an ingenious way of creating these different <laughs> scenes. <laughs> just in case. Uh, <laughs> Stop looking at me, dog. Uh, He's just staring at me. And I think it, it was... It was really yeah, well done. It is. Well, and so they end up using this, because like, one stairs, set. right? Yeah, yeah. They end up using, like, this one kind of piece of set for, like, the entire thing. And it just, or for a lot, not the entire thing, but for large chunks of it. Yeah. And it's just really beautiful. It makes it so they can move pretty seamlessly between yeah. these different scenes. Agreed. Without sort of the clunkiness of... Of having to, like, a physically curtain, change. A curtain drop yeah. and... Yep redoing the whole thing and I think it's really well done and I think it makes it they I don't know so I don't know exactly when this revision came out but it does make it more movie like yeah where you can just sort of transition without effort yes without having to see people come in and change the scene exactly it it makes it it makes it pretty amazing. And I, I've never seen the original version, so I can't compare it, but... I, well, and I can't remember the first time I saw it, if I saw the original version or not. I, it was so long ago. Right. Um, and then I think, you know, we should just bring it up, what you what you had brought up during the break. Uh, in the movie, one of our favorite parts is the Phantom is sending all of these notes to different people. So he sends them to the new owners of the Opera Populaire. He sends one to Raoul. He sends one to Madame Giri. I love those notes. Yeah, I did too. He sends one to Carlotta, I think. Uh, and I feel like, actually, the notes, not to interrupt you, yeah, but no, no, I fine. feel like the notes are better used in the movie. Agreed. You really get the notiness of those notes. Well, and it's also a little bit comical in the movie. Uh-huh. Like, the way that everyone comes together... Mm-hmm. Because they all have these fucking notes, and they're like, well, wait, were you sent a note? Yeah. And, and it's just, like, it's just... And because you can... Well, it's very well done You can in zoom in on paper in a way exactly. that you can't in a movie. You really... It, it's much more tangible in the yes. movie. Agreed. And the floating, the first floating note... Yes. That one's great, because Madame Giri in she, the she stage kn- show... She knows, and she... But, like, Madame Giri in the movie, when she sees it floating now, she already knows what it is. Right. And... In the stage show, she just, just has, has that information. Yeah. yeah. And I think seeing the note come down... Is better. It's It just gives you a little more. Well, and a little like, richer. Well, I'm like, the movie is definitely a drama, but I feel like the movie injects a little more levity... Yes. ...into the story. And so when everyone comes together with their fucking notes, and they're like, God damn, another fucking right. note, it's kind of it's funny. Yeah. And moments that are not necessarily played for comedy... Yeah are shifted in such a way that they are yeah. a little more comedic in the movie. Which and is it's nice. Not, it, bra- it just breaks it up a little bit. It does. Especially in... The, it, because the movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. It's a long movie. It doesn't feel like it. Not to it me. It does not feel it like it. It flies by. I was shocked when Matt showed up and was like, let's go home, And you're like, no, no, we have 20 <laughs> minutes left of this movie. We cannot. I really thought we would be over like half hour ago, but nope. we're not. No, it's a very long when, movie. That actually... It makes a lot more sense because I was like, I really can't think of what they cut in the movie. Well, because they didn't cut They anything. don't cut much. <laughs> really, the only cuts I could see were in the beginning. They really yeah. rushed through a lot of those yeah. introductions, which That's is true. fine. Because you have to cut something somewhere. You've got to cut something. And because it's a movie, I feel like you, 
are automatically going to add length because you're going to add extra shots establishing right. like kind of the scene. I mean, that prima donna scene is. I love. It's so good. And it's, it's so good. It's so good, and it it doesn't serve. I mean, it it is kind of a transition piece, but it's it's given its own moment. But um, so much of the middle is not cut. It's yes. done just like the stage yeah. show. So it makes sense that they got to speed it up in certain and, places. And I don't mind that. I would watch this movie if it was three hours long. They I'd be also, like, this is fine. Because they don't sing to each other when she brings the ring back, right? He mm. just sings. Gerard Butler just sings in the I movie, think, right? I think so. He just sings, like... I always, I always, I always had several glasses of wine by this point. I, I think don't think right. she sings back to him. I don't think so. And in the stage show, they do another yeah. duet yeah. of mm, All I Ask of You yeah. together. Um, so they cut a little bit at the beginning and the end. But other than that, they don't it's cut pretty, much out. Uh, and they add a sword fight. They add a sword fight. Which really goes a long way towards establishing Raoul as like not just... Oh, yeah, and I don't think we talked about the sword fight as much as we talked about it last night, where the sword fight really acts to show Christine that the Phantom is a man and not just... Yes, because he bleeds. A ghost, right. And so I feel like even though she probably already knows it, it helps solidify in her mind, yes, that he's just a dude. Yeah. And can be mortally wounded. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that you get... In the, the stage show, show no, because he's just throwing fireworks at them. Yeah, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and <laughs> the honestly, sword, the sword fight is more compelling. I get why they can't necessarily do it on the stage, but there have been sword fights in yeah, stage shows. No, no, of course, of course. But I'm just kind of thinking like the impact that the sword fight in the movie has. You're not going to get the sure. same payoff. Sure. In a stage production, it is subtle because you get to like you're looking at like a very small wound on him, right? And then Raoul's bleeding, Uh and it's just like it's different. It's different, but especially in the last, the latest version that we saw, I felt like that scene was more comedic than I don't think it was supposed to be funny, and I remember laughing. (laughs) Yeah, we're also like, never mind. So Cassie. You what? go first, because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. didn't think while we to, were on the break. To continue my love of Gerard Butler, which I love, that's kind of a strong word. I would say from 2004 to 2010, I fucking love Gerard Butler. I thought he was amazing. and sure. just And he's, still, he's still attractive, I, I guess. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, so I would like to see 300 as a musical. Sure. And I feel like as a staged it show. It would really be great. It would be amazing. I feel like Xerxes would be an amazing character. I feel like you could do a lot with the battle scenes. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is. It's a built-in ensemble. Well, and, and there's so much drama. Mm-hmm. I want to see a whole stage full of contoured abs oh, yeah. soldiers oh, dancing yeah. and singing. Well, you yeah, you've got the soldiers, you've got the Senate, who is another ensemble. Oh, they would yeah. obviously leave their togas on. You maybe. I made a bunch of those. In the play oh. version, it'd all be hot. Sure. It'd be like magic. Also, Mike. all contours. It would be so. What I'm imagining is just like magic mic, but like Greek. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, basically with, with like. Uh, those like the Spartan oh, man. helmets with the feathers. I really think maybe mohawk. if Magic Mike has like a suggestion box, <laughs> we should do <laughs> do a three hundred night. <laughs> have, you, have you ever thought about a three hundred skit? 
<laughs> you have the abs, clearly. Please at least consider adding it into your repertoire. Well, but it's just, I feel like it has, the story has all of the dramatic elements of a good musical anyway. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it could really, you could make it so ridiculous. I mean, and so oh, amazing. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber, get on oh, this. Yeah, Don't need sure. something to do. It's got, like, the opulence. It's yeah. Got it's got... Um, it'd be a period piece. Uh-huh. You've already got ridiculous costumes. Yeah. Uh, you've got drama, like, built mm-hmm. into the battles, but also think, a lot of think, costuming in yes. the battles. Well, think about, like, what a great ballad the young Leonidas could have while he's going to hunt the wolf. For sure. Like, by himself, just, like, And then also, like, romance, because we don't get to see, like, the courtship between him and... His wife. Queen. So you could see yeah, that as a teenager, teenage that. Leonidas, like... And then she could have a bunch of solos while she's, yeah. like, fighting the Senate. Yes. And then the Senate would be, like... I mean, unfortunately, I'm just, that guy. I'm just, like, picturing, like, a Mel Brooks, like, uh, the history of the world. <laughs> comedic elements to it it wouldn't yeah. have to be a hundred percent drama no no but i i'm i'm on board and i just feel like you could do a lot of fun stuff with leonidas kicking the messenger into the pit mm-hmm. i feel like that that, that could be fun maybe you get kicked into the there's already pit. so many really cool things that were done was done with that movie i yeah. feel like you can just Pump it up, like... I mean, for the love of Christ, they made Spongebob a musical. I think we could make 300 a musical. A very successful musical. Which I actually really want to see. I, it looks... <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> great. I really yeah. like that in the Meet Me in St. Louis, we're refer- referencing the Tonys, like, just about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like they had just happened. No, they were upcoming. They oh, were going to really? be the next weekend. Oh, and one of our podcasts, we talk about the Tonys. Like, after it happened. When because, I listened to our other podcasts. Well, because we talked about the... Because you asked me, because the Parkland students sing oh, a Rent song right, right, and right. like, so you still hate Rent? And I was like, right. I, yes, I, I do. Right. Um, that song made me cry. And they did an amazing job. It was really well done. But it I, was really but well yeah, done. Yeah, I still don't like Rent. <laughs> Nothing's going to change my mind. But we're going to see it this round, right? No, we already saw it. Are you going to make me watch the movie again? I forgot we already watched Uh, it. No, I don't think I will. I don't. I think I'm going to have to. I mean, if we're going to do an episode, we probably should. Yeah, because it's been, because it's been like a year. We can can talk about the live show because we've seen it, but like, we'll have to rewatch the movie for sure. I mean, people love that show, so I do think. Well, and I don't, and I, I feel like I need to make it really clear that I recognize it has a place, especially in, like, LGBTQ. Um, it definitely has a place in that history, and I, I don't want to take anything away from that, but there, it is still problematic. Yes. it can, And I think that it can occupy both spaces. I think it can have a place in that history, and I'm not a part of that community, so my opinion, I don't think everyone needs to necessarily listen to it. Or even agree with it, but I just think that it is, it's not, I don't believe that it's super intersectional. I don't think that it's, right, it's 90s intersectional. Sure. I think that it can be groundbreaking and still have problems. For sure. And I think that's what it is. Uh, all right, so 
segueing into the movie that I would like to see as a musical. Excellent. I had one, but then we kept talking, and now... (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten. Oh, I remember what it is. (laughs) That is so fast. (laughs) Came full circle. Today, it's going to be Space Jam. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, So I was on a roller coaster trying to figure out what I was going to say today. So how... Okay, Space Jam. So, I mean, okay. if we're living in a world where Michael Jordan would still redo Space Jam, although I think they are redoing Space Jam with that. I thought, they were. I thought yeah. they were with, uh, oh gosh, some big name. I want to say LeBron James, but that might not be accurate. I could see LeBron James wait, doing Wait, let me ask Tyler. He knows. Oh, of course, I'll know. Yeah, wait, stall for wait, time. Stall yeah, for time. No, Keep talking, Cassie. That's fine. Keep talking, Cassie. But yeah, in my head, I mean, okay. because you already have cartoons, so you could just do a bunch of cartoon numbers, and that's totally accounted for. And then you could also have basketball players doing musical numbers, which I think would be fantastic. Uh, so I think that Space Jam is a pretty viable option as a musical. I think maybe you could add in Bill Murray is going to be a loss. Now, having Bill Murray, maybe like a Pete Davidson, I could see him being maybe a nice replacement for Bill Murray in Space Jam. Okay, we've got... I don't know what you were saying. (laughs) I was just waxing on about my Space Jam musical. All I heard was Space Jam. (laughs) Uh, We got confirmation. It will be LeBron James, Mm. which is great because I... okay. A little bit of backstory. I'm a Warriors fan, obviously. But even when LeBron was on the Cavaliers, I still liked him. He's, uh, to me, he's an inherently likable dude. And he's a funny actor. I mean, he's super funny in Trainwreck. Yes! And he's 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 a good actor. My boys are going to be pissed if I don't watch Downton Abbey this week. So I can't (laughs) wait for you. He's just like I think he's a personable dude, and he's and listen, I I'd be surprised. The people who would, the five people who would listen to this podcast, probably aren't huge sports fans. But LeBron James is an amazing athlete, and he's better than Michael Jordan. Don't at me. I don't care, and I won't debate you. One, Michael Jordan has a lot of gambling problems. I don't know how that's relevant <laughs> to, to being an athlete. I like a physically responsible <laughs> basketball athlete. <laughs> like, he's a basketball athlete. <laughs> you know what? I like it a baseball athlete. I know a Some lot about... junk in the trunk. I know a <laughs> lot about sports. <laughs> I'm, cool. I'm a competent sportsman. <laughs> Title of your sex tape. I competent am a sportsman. competent sportsman. Sportswoman. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I think Space Jam could work because... Now, would you cast the cartoon characters? Would you stick with, like, the The classics? Yes, I want the classic Looney Tunes, and I want them to have several musical numbers. Uh I want... Is it Lola? I think it is Lola. I want Lola to play a larger role because I think, actually, maybe she shaped a large part of my childhood. How? I really idolized her as a character. Lola Bunny? Because 
I didn't enjoy basketball, but I thought she played it well. Well, I think she did, too. Um, I, I, and you know what? Yes, I support that. And I really hung on, like, to female characters that, mm-hmm. like, excelled at sports and yeah. were better than boys at sports. Yeah. Uh, like we, the we figure skater in Mighty Ducks. I oh, was yeah. all about it. Or, um, I know you've seen this movie, The Cutting Edge. Mm. Toe pick. Oh, my God. So maybe I idolize that movie a little bit too much because I, if I am not better than everyone and everything, I get very angry. (laughs) (laughs) I, oh God. Okay, that's another uh, movie for the mostly pile. We, maybe Christmas, maybe around Christmas. We have to do And we could do the sequels too because the sequels are crazy. They're right. I was in them. But no, I get that. I think it'd be great if Lola had a bigger role. A bigger role. But then you could have legit basketball players like LeBron could convince other basketball athletes. (laughs) I bet Steph Curry would do a cameo. He's like the nicest guy. They could do like a nice ensemble number. And then you could have the cartoons doing a good ensemble number. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, yeah, it's just a a fantastic world. I would would watch that. I think it would be I mean, when it comes out as the new movie, I'm going to watch it. Is Brian McKnight still alive? Why? I mean, yeah, I I think think so. I don't think I meant Brian McKnight. (laughs) Who sings? uh... (laughs) Brian McKnight sings Back at One. Oh, also a great song. Also a great song. Yeah. Uh, but I'm thinking um, of the Space Jam song, which is something about wings. So there's only list six songs. And the song I mean is... Is Space Jam? I believe I can fly, which is unfortunately R. Kelly, which... Yeah, that's the song you were trying yeah. to <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it is. Um, I, I forgot it was R. Kelly, which... We can't have R. Kelly. It reminds me of uh, The Wind Beneath My Wings, so... That's a very different song. <laughs> I know, but they both reference wings. Is, isn't that Celine Dion? No, it's Bette Midler. Is it? Uh, yeah, Wind Beneath My Wings from Beaches, come on! We definitely had to sing that. Like, in elementary school, we would... I don't I don't know why, I can't remember why, we would, like, put on these musical Because your drama shows. teacher was obsessed with beaches. Well, no, but we would, like, have to put on these assemblies and sing, like, it was, like, once a year, and every grade, like, sang a different, like, four songs, and the parents all came, and one of the songs we sang was Wind Beneath My Wings, and I don't know who thought it would be entertaining to watch a bunch of fifth graders sing that song, because we sucked. You are the wind yeah. beneath me. Wait, what is it like? You lift me up when I can't something. Uh, uh, no, nope. I shouldn't do I it. Can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I, honestly, the song I was singing might not be Wind Beneath My Wings. Did you ever know that you're That's not the same song. That's not the same song. That is not the same song. Wait, okay. We might have to cut this you're out. everything I <laughs> wish I could be. <laughs> Did you ever know that you're my hero? Alright, we gotta finish this. Let's go. We gotta go watch it right now. Alright. Bye guys, we're so, gonna watch beaches. Uh, we're gonna go watch beaches. But yeah. Love you, bye. Also, I'm not gonna lie, when we were when I was re-listening to our Meet Me in St. Louis podcast. 
Um, <laughs> what made me legitimately laugh at myself. We're, we're currently editing me yeah. and St. Louis, yeah. so. Uh, was when I was like, when Esther and John are fighting, I was like, why did you just kick him in the <laughs> Valid question. All right. Hi, everybody. One last thing before you go. First of all, thank you for listening. Second of all, if you want to reach us on any of our social media platforms, we are on Twitter at mostly underscore musicals. We are on Facebook and Instagram at mostly musicals podcasts. And uh, please follow us and rate us on iTunes. We also have a website, so check it out. It is mostly musicals podcast.com. Uh, normal spelling on everything. Okay, thanks. Bye. It sounds like I was leaving you. Answering machine message. Answering machine. Answering machine message. Uh, Bye for real. Bye.